Welcome to Parallax by Anka Kalra, a podcast produced by Radcliffe Cardiology to bring you a new angle of all things cardiology and the best from the US Cardiology Review. Published every second Monday, Anka Kalra, MD, interventional cardiologist at the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio, USA, speaks with legendary cardiologists, reviews late-breaking trials, and interviews authors of our latest and best US cardiology review articles. We call them hashtag audio articles. Parallax is the effect whereby the position or direction of an object appears to differ when viewed from different positions. So this podcast is your fix of reliable updates on all things cardiology by someone from a non-traditional background who is always looking at the industry from a new angle. Now, here's your host, Anka Kalra, MD. Hello, everyone. I have the pleasure of having a very special guest on the show today. Um, Dr. Harriet Vance Paul. Dr. Vance Paul is Associate Professor of Medicine and Cardiology at the Department of Medicine at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And we are going to talk about the recent controversy surrounding physician portraits that are displayed on uh, the medical hallways. Uh, Dr. Vance Paul, welcome on the show. Thank you for having me, Dr. Calvera. So um, let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, you know, there was a lot of Twitter action uh, surrounding uh, this controversy, um, which followed uh, the publication of an article by Jeffrey Flyer. Uh, he's the former dean of Harvard Medical School in the Boston Globe. And, uh, you know, the topic of discussion was surrounding physician portraits. Uh, so my first question to you is, um, the redistribution of 31 oil portraits of medical leaders from the Bornstein Auditorium of Brigham and Women's Hospital to other locations has been at the source of much debate on social media, as we both know. Uh, what are your thoughts on why this issue is so contentious? You know, the portraits of physician leaders are ubiquitous in academic medical institutions throughout North America. They undoubtedly speak of institutional pride, history, and research achievements. But over time, these portraits, which are primarily of white men, have also come to represent the lack of diversity in academic leadership. The relocation of these commissioned portraits was meant to address concerns that the portraiture and the medical leadership itself does not reflect the diverse medical workforce. The gap between the face of academic medical leadership and the healthcare workforce that educates, researches, and delivers care in our institutions has been increasingly apparent, particularly as the face of the workforce has changed. And uh, women have made major contributions in medicine, but have typically been under-recognized, under-promoted, and denied access the positions of power. The State of Women in Academic Medicine report in 2014 found that while approximately half of American medical school graduates were women, only 16% of medical school deans were women. And the statistics in Canada are even more concerning. Um, for example, Data from the 2015 Canadian Medical Education Statistics revealed 
that 55% of Canadian medical school graduates were women, yet only one dean and two chairs of medicine at that point across the country were women. The leadership gaps uh, that leave minority women behind are even more startling. With less than 1% of Canadian university executive positions held by women of color, and then, of course, we've heard about the leaky promotion pipeline with attrition of women from junior to senior faculty positions. So the portraits of leaders on our medical walls is a stark reminder of these gaps. And the calls for a redistribution of portraits have been a response to this. Uh, that's, uh, that's an excellent answer. Um, so let me... Um fast forward to my my second question because uh, i think it's a, it's a great segue into my second question and and that is you know jeffrey flyer um in the boston globe has argued that the relocation of physician portraits at brigham and women's hospital has left walls uh, sterile instead of welcoming to the diverse groups of students trainees and faculty who attend uh, events there uh, he has argued that the portraits should be left in the rightful place and be interspersed with a newly commissioned art that includes leaders who are women and minorities. And so what are your thoughts on, on this argument? You know, there are a few ways to dissect this issue. I would argue that while this represents some improvement, uh, the portraits of physician leaders, be they men or women, are just not inclusive enough. Uh, they do not fully represent excellence and achievement in our medical institutions. Um, to some, they actually represent hierarchies in which those who lead are given power that is disproportionate to the number of shoulders on which they stand. Uh, while many of our academic physician leaders uh, typically researchers have become pioneers in their field. Some have benefited from honorary co-authorships of grants and publications that have increased their own academic output. Some have been able to shape their research programs by virtue of the power that they have. And they've also had the authority to determine the career trajectories of other physicians and healthcare professionals. So the model of the physician leader at the top of a chain of command has, in some instances, lacked checks and balances or term limits and has left a trail of accomplished junior physicians and allied health professionals without the recognition that they deserve. Well, that's... Uh, My that's... thoughts are... My thoughts are that we could make these walls even more inclusive than just representing diverse faces of the academic leaders themselves. Yeah, no, you know, what I was saying was that that is an excellent argument against uh, what Dr. Flyer has proposed in his article. Uh, you know, hierarchy in medicine is, you know, obviously a very contentious topic. I mean, we recently wrote about this in a, a European Heart Journal article, and um, you know, kudos to the Europeans That's that they right. were they were very receptive of of our of our article because you know we were having a hard time getting the article published in any of the American journals, and then 
you know, all we had to do was um, look across the Atlantic and, and you know, within, um, I would say, about a week of uh, getting the article submitted, you know, we, we had an acceptance email. So, you know, clearly the, it uh, seems like uh, to me that way, you, you know, based on the, uh, the feedback that we received on our article that, you know, the, the Europeans are more progressive than, than uh, the traditional leadership uh, roles or um, uh, that, that are offered to faculty or that are dispensed by, by faculty members in North America. Um, That's interesting. I remember reading your article and it was uh, very insightful. Uh, I think you described the leadership styles of uh, historic figures in India and uh, made some parallels with leadership styles in academic medicine. I thought that that was uh, uh, very astute. Uh, no, so thank you. Thank you for reading and thank you for your comments on the article, which brings me to my next question, actually, and that is, is there a more desirable model of leadership at academic institutions? What do you, what do you think? Well, you know, it, it, this is the source of debate and, and probably some controversy, as you allude to. Um, and certainly there is tradition to uphold, but... Uh, I wasn't able to find, or I haven't been able to find any clear evidence that supports hierarchical governance structures. Um, there's nothing to suggest that uh, top heavy ways of leading organizations improve performance. And in academia, we have multiple metrics by which we evaluate performance. And none of these are associated with a hierarchical way of leading. There's some evidence that centralization of authority is actually associated with poorer performance and is less effective compared to decentralized organizations that take advantage of a wider variety of team members. And I, you know, I am of the opinion that hierarchies in academic medicine could be deconstructed somewhat to empower larger segments of our healthcare workforce. Um, there are some successful companies such as Novartis that have proposed an unbossed uh, organizational structure that flips the traditional pyramid to make the uh, organization more collaborative and that fosters diversity and brings people together with different skills, abilities, and also mindsets in the pursuit of a shared mission. This kind of collaborative leadership style favors teamwork over hierarchy and uh, seeks a variety of opinions and ideas to build strategic plans and solve problems. You know, fundamental elements of this leadership style in contrast to hierarchies is that they value creativity, they focus on a positive working environment, and they reward out-of-the-box thinking that somehow has not always been rewarded in traditional hierarchical regimens. 
Collaborative leadership also provides the opportunity for team members at different, um, you know, uh, parts of their career journey to take the lead and strengthen dialogue among team members so that everyone feels empowered to contribute to the mission. The other unique aspect is that mistakes aren't uh, punished, but rather used as opportunities for learning and growth. So in my mind, the portraits on the wall represent a lack of diversity in academic leadership, but also a lack of recognition of the diverse roles and thoughts and ideas that help us achieve our academic mission. Uh, great, no, that's excellent. So your perception is that the portraits on the wall uh, represent not only uh, to the lack of diversity uh, in academic leadership, but also the hierarchies in medicine that ought to be replaced by more collaborative leadership styles. Um, what would this look like uh, on the ground uh, and, and, and on the walls um, of our academic institutions? Right. Uh, you know, and this, of course, brings us to the original issue of the portraits on the wall. Uh, I think I diverged a bit, but um, the hierarchies and closed networks within which leadership selection and decisions are made in academic medicine are quite exclusive and arguably outdated. You know, the time has come for change. These hierarchies often result in the career growth of like-minded people, but stifle merit-based advancement and also stifle diversity of thought. Um, in some institutions, those with divergent voices and ideas, and, and this can include uh, folks who are at early career stage who maybe start uh, with a, a great deal of creativity, but then learn to fall in line, um, could also represent, uh, you know, visible minority uh, folks who are not within the inner circle, so to speak. Um, all of these folks are moved to the sidelines. In contrast, collaborative or unbossed cultures have open networks that reward out-of-the-box ideas and there's a focus on empowerment and workplace wellness, as well as equity, you know, giving people the resources they need to succeed. And all of these elements are associated with high performance and with reduced burnout, which can have a positive impact, uh, not only on academic productivity, but also on clinical outcomes. So, Adopting a collaborative structure within a medical institution could allow uh, the scope of practice to be more about distributing roles and uh, leadership opportunities among team members than about maintaining the central authority of a leader. On the ground, leaders would go into meetings with an open mind rather than a fixed outcome in mind. And clinicians who provide care would have as great a voice at the table as those who research, educate, 
innovate or administrate. In addition, patients and caregivers would be invited to weigh in on priorities pertaining to clinical care and research. So an environment could be created through this collaborative leadership style that encourages a productive working culture and celebrates all members of the healthcare team, including the patients and caregivers who are at the center of our mission. And concordant with that, the displays on the walls would evolve to reflect the diversity of contribution to our academic mission. In my opinion, the walls would be transformed to include not only leaders, but also these multidisciplinary clinicians and researchers and educators, early career investigators and innovators, and most importantly, would include photos of our patients and caregivers with their permission, of course. But these are the people who are at the core of our mission and on whose existence we are, um, you know, uh, working. So um, lots of ways in which the wall could speak to our changing values and our changing mindset and the workforce that helps us drive and accomplish our academic goals. Uh, well, very interesting ideas. Uh, you know, surely the, the medical wall could be transformed uh, to represent diversity on multiple levels, as you've uh, very uh, eloquently elucidated um, in this interview. Uh, thank you, Dr. Vanspal, for uh, this fascinating um, uh, episode. Um, I, 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 well, I, I may be biased, but I, I think that our listeners will certainly welcome um, the the new ideas that you've portrayed, and um, and you know, hopefully, um, will embrace change um, and be uh, change makers at their respective institutions. So, thank you once again for uh, taking the time um, to, um, to 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 come and and share. Um, your uh, ideas and and your thoughts and viewpoints on this uh, this very controversial and contentious uh, recent debate. My absolute pleasure, Dr. Calvera. Thank you so much for inviting me, and uh, I look forward to meeting you in person sometime. Likewise. Thanks again. Dear cardiologists, we want to make this podcast about you and for you. So please email us your critical thoughts, comments and questions at podcast at radcliffe-group.com and visit uscjournal.com for more information. You can also follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram at Radcliffe Cardiology for daily updates. Join thousands of cardiologists and become a Radcliffian by registering to radcliffecardiology.com. You will receive regular newsletters and gain access to hundreds of expert interviews, educational webinars, clinical cases, and peer-reviewed articles from our six medical review journals on general cardiology, interventional cardiology, arrhythmia and electrophysiology, cardiac failure, and vascular and endovascular surgery. Thank you.